I wanted to take a little bit of time to share a devotional. This is from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7. And so if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible phone app, you want to pull that out, you can. Um, But I'm going to start just by reading the passage um, and then sharing a few words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter to the believers, primarily Gentiles, who had fled Rome and were scattered throughout Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. These new converts still living within the Roman Empire, which is controlled by Emperor Nero, who was known for persecuting the Christians, they were facing hardships of all kinds. And likely they were feeling forgotten or betrayed by God. And suffering for their faith in Christ would follow them wherever they went. Peter writes this letter to encourage them, and there is much in it for us today, nearly 2,000 years near. Peter with a passionate exaltation of praise and wonder. Blessed be the God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The basis for this, verse 6, gives us a clue. In this you rejoice. What is the this that Peter is referring to? The latter part of verse 3 and 4 tell us, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter's worshipful opening to the reveals the wonder and awe and heartfelt gratitude he has for us. And he wants to make sure that their hope, our hope, is firmly anchored in the truth. These new Gentile believers, they needed to be reminded that God had chosen them and that even though they felt like they were growing weaker, and trials they were facing were actually uh, and the trials they were facing were actually strengthening their faith and had purpose. Because of their new identity as God's children, Peter wants them to be attentive to the things of God, to live fully for what's ahead, not for what's currently happening, and to be wholly set apart. He wants them to be mature in their faith. And he's urging them to trust God when the world around them is becoming unhinged. None of us wake up in the morning and have the thought, Lord, if you love me, you will send more suffering my way today. 
We are living in the midst of difficulty. We are tempted to view it. I'm tempted to view it as a sign of God's inattention or his disfavor. But Peter is trying to impress upon these believers a profound truth. I don't know if you have this book, but um, Paul David Tripp has a, a devotional called New Morning Mercies. I highly commend it. But he describes it in this ways. He says, moments of difficulties are sure signs of the zeal of God's redemptive love. In grace, he leads where you didn't plan to go in order to produce in you what you couldn't achieve on your own. In these moments, he works to alter the values of your heart so that you let go of your little kingdom of one and you give yourself to his kingdom of glory and grace. God is working now, but not so much to give us predictable, comfortable, and pleasurable lives. He isn't so much working to transform our circumstances as he is working through hard circumstances to transform you and me. Recently, I was convicted in that I was praying more to transform my circumstances than for him to transform my heart in response to a particular hardship that I was facing And it's so easy for us to be tempted to wonder where God's grace is when we're facing difficulty, right? We're often looking for the soft pillow type of grace instead of recognizing that it is grace that we are getting. It's the life, it's the heart transforming grace of difficulty. And I look out in this room and I know you have faced, I know you're you're in it right now. Verse 7 talks about what is accomplished when we, by the grace that God provides and by the strength given through the Holy Spirit, persevere through trials. The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If God intended for all the days of your life and my life to be easy, they would be. Rather, in grace, he intends for our days to be his tools of refinement. The Lord knows that even as his children, our hearts are prone to wander. You and I place much more importance on things than they truly possess And when we do so, these things begin to claim our heart's allegiance. So in love, God lets pieces of the creation die in our hands to teach us that these things, they're beautiful, enjoyable, but they cannot give us what we all long for. In tender, patient grace, he keeps you and I in this broken world to teach us that he alone is worthy of the deepest, most worshipful allegiance of our heart. One of the most common fears we have as humans is fear of the future. We've, or what's down the road? Embedded in all of this is the hope that everything will turn out right in the end and will be secure. And I don't know about you, but my heart's desire is so often for an outcome that won't threaten my comfort, my ease, my sense of control. And it's not insane to worry about the future. It's not. In fact, everything that you and I think, desire, decide, and do should be shaped by what is to come. But there is a huge difference between worrying about what you and I have no power over 
and resting in what God's word says about the future inheritance that he has secured for us. We need to continually keep the truth of the gospel in front of us, the glorious redemption that Jesus purchased for us by dying on the cross for our sins, not so that we will have our best life now, but so we will live in light of eternity. But not just that. Peter says more. He says that not only is God keeping your inheritance, he's also giving. None of your suffering is eternal. It's fleeting. And none of it is wasted. At the end of his letter, Peter shares these parting words. And so I'll close with this. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone's power. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.